welcome, dreamers, to the Dreamcast Year's Game of the Year edition podcast. Uh, following on from episode two of the main cast, we'll be pitching our games of 1998 for you to vote on. Uh, the Twitter poll will go up uh, will go up on at Dreamcast Years for seven days once this has gone out. So make sure you get involved. Uh, before we get into this, though, let me introduce you to the trio in charge of selecting the games you get to vote on. Uh, first up, we have a man who recently got seduced by a goose and loves nothing more than a solid Christmas game. It's the Dreamcast fan who's not a barber. It's at Dreamcast Barber, Richard. How are you? Not too bad, thanks. That's, a, that's an amazing intro. Thank you. So don't, <laughs> so don't forget, I love sausage rolls with my games as well at Christmas. So. So, sausage rolls, yeah. games at Christmas. Yes. Yeah, we've heard all about that. Um, and pizza apparently of course um of course um next up is someone else who got seduced by that damn goose and i've heard he's also spent some late nights recently getting pretty cozy with final fantasy 9 it's gaming fan and aspiring voice actor steve aka at steve jack how are you doing oh hi i'm good thanks how are you i'm good um, I was going to say here, because I, I mentioned aspiring voice actors, I was like, give me a sample of your work. Do something now. Now do it. <laughs> but I, I won't, because that's me. <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to do that. No. Uh, I will say, though, that the goose is mine, and Rich, you can't have the oh, goose. The goose is mine. That's a shame. <laughs> He's not putting up a fight. There's not much of a oh, fight going on here for the goose. <laughs> uh, I, was, I was expecting a bit more resistance, but I guess <laughs> yeah. I win the goose. You win the goose. <laughs> Hey, uh, for those of you who have no idea what we're talking about, because um, you just play retro games, um, we're talking about um, Untitled. It's, it is an Untitled Goose game, isn't it? it? Is that right? It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is uh... well, the game. The game actually, like, officially does not have a title. It is referred to as Untitled Goose Game. Oh, okay. As I understand it. That... So it's not. That's not its actual title. It, it, its actual title is no. that it has no title. Correct. Right. Okay. Which is why it is referred to as Untitled Goose Game. That's as I understand it. It's quite an interesting fact. That's quite, mm. quite cool. I do want to see how they name um, the sequel. I'll be interested. So, what the naming scheme is going to be. <laughs> well, we'll find out, I'm sure, because everybody's been calling for a sequel. It's, uh, it's been quite well received. So, there you go. Um, but there's also uh, the third party of the trio, um, who's the person talking to you now. And I'll introduce myself just because. Um, so I'm the person who foolishly ate half an extra large Papa John's vegan pizza before I decided to record this. So I may struggle to make it through to the end. Um, I've also managed to play a game for more than 10 hours this week. And I'm not quite understand. I don't quite understand how that's possible. Um, I'm Andrew um, at Oddman84. Um, so that's all three of us. And um, yeah. Uh, I guess the next thing to talk about is how the last vote went. So obviously our, mm. our poll for 1997, uh, we got 51 votes uh, for that on the Twitter poll, which is great. So in last place, uh, we had one of my two choices, which was Blade Runner, uh, Boo, mm. um, which came last. <laughs> uh, that means that I'll be the one um, getting the handicap when I pitch later. Um, in third place was Steve's choice, Grand Theft Auto. Uh, it's not too bad. Um, third place. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, it's not last. Um, and in second place was my second choice of uh, Final Fantasy VII, uh, which means that uh, the runaway winner, which actually scored 51% of the vote, uh, was Rich's choice of... Uh, and this is weird, because I've written in my notes here, I thought, was Rich's choice of N64? <laughs> which is not what he chose. It was uh, GoldenEye 007 for the N64. He chose the whole console. The whole library. The whole damn thing. Yeah. yeah. It wouldn't surprise me at some point if you did that. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, once we... Sorry, Rich. Once we finished recording last time, we all pretty much predicted Golden Eye was yeah. going to win. 
Yeah, we did. Yeah. And we, we already have, well, Steve already has his prediction of who's going to win this time. So I do, I do. We won't say which, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, prove us wrong. Uh, prove us wrong, Twitter. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, how do you feel, Rich, about winning oh. the first game of the year? It's a very, very, imp- very empowering feeling. I feel very good, yeah. So. You wanting to win the second time? Wanting of to win course. 1998? I've got a taste for the yeah. victory now, so keep it coming. Taste keep it coming. Mm, nice. It's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how you perform, seeing as this time you can't play the um, the Sean Bean card. Indeed, indeed. Uh, yeah. Was Sean Bean in either of your games? In my games. Hmm. <laughs> for this for, for this year, <laughs> I would love to think of Sean Bean in either one. Yeah, but it should be quite amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to spoil anything um, yet, but yeah, I could picture yeah, yeah, him. Yeah, I could yeah. picture him in them. <laughs> uh, okay, we'll move on to um, 1998 then. And um, as mentioned before, um, I'll have the handicap this time. Uh, so last time, obviously, uh, Rich pitched first and had the air horn, um, which didn't really seem to face him at all. Uh, so we'll see if uh, if my uh, handicap phases me. Um, we put it to a vote, uh, back to Twitter again, and gave three choices. Um, there was two that came uh, joint last, which was talking with my mouthful and playing Tetris 99 whilst pitching. Um, they got a fair few votes, but still came last. And the overall winner uh, was for Steve and Rich to heckle me as I pitch. Uh, Steve, oh. are you are you ready to heckle? Have you got your mm. your heckle? Absolutely, ready? I've never been more ready for anything. <laughs> it's good, Rich. Have you got I've, any good I've, heckles prepared? Oh, not really. I've never heckled anyone before, so this is gonna be really difficult. So. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna automatically naysay okay. any, anything he says. That'd be the easiest, no. easiest way to go about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um well I'm gonna go first just to get this out of the way. <laughs> so <laughs> um so um my pitch is for uh, and, and just to remind everybody again, because I don't know if I've said this enough yet, this is for game of the year nineteen ninety-eight. Um my game of the year nineteen ninety-eight. Um, was Resident Evil 2 on the PS1, which released on April 29th. Um, so I'm going to pitch that. Has somebody got a timer ready? That's what I should have asked. Oh, yeah, I can do that one cool. second. Lovely. <laughs> was prepared. <laughs> so prepared yeah. for this. Uh, sorry, hold on one second. We'll put some fancy music on here. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, tell me when I need to start. All right, you start in three, two, one, go. Uh, so this is a game uh, oh, more so than the original that people point to as a shining example of the horror genre. It's not like uh, the, films the, the survival it. horror genre. It took all the awesome <laughs> things that Capcom did originally and, expect, the it, and expanded on them hugely. Um, it moved into Raccoon City itself. Um, the police station was inspired. <laughs> <laughs> As was introducing the stalking terror of the tyrant known as Mr. X to fans. It was genuinely scary, especially mm. with the introduction Ooh. of the liquor enemy. It wasn't, um, yeah, it it wasn't, wasn't that scary. scary. Was the nice story guy, was yeah. awesome, yeah. and it changed depending on who you chose to start as. Uh, Leon and Claire had an A and a B scenario each. They were both yeah, terrible. Um, and I think it's probably... I don't think I've played yeah. anything quite as epic in the survival horror genre besides Dead Space oh, well, 2. Well, you've not played any good um, <laughs> and, and its own remake. Uh, it oh, nailed the atmosphere, and even even the slow-moving zombie enemies were terrifying. It's were. such an nah, iconic and popular game from the PS1 era. Um, PS1 and shit. I don't think it can be topped in 1998. <laughs> uh, your time's up. Your time's uh, up. 
Well, I wrote that down as well. I was I wrote it down to try and kind of bypass your heckling, but I could still hear it was very off-putting. I feel I feel genuinely bad about that. <laughs> well, you get to discuss it now. Um, I'll be quiet mm. unless you have a question for me. Uh, so you two can discuss Resident <gasps> Evil Two for a little bit. Okay, Rich, what's oh, your? God. Have you played this I game? I like real deja vu with this. Like every every <laughs> week, I talk about how little I've played of all these games. Usually, it's my. Uh, <laughs> The experience I had with the demo and uh, the like one to two hours I probably played total. Um, but no, I've played mm-hmm. it. Um, n- never, yeah. It's known I'm not necessarily a big fan of the series Resident Evil, but I'm a mm-hmm. big fan of zombies, so that's enough of a pull for me. Um, yeah, I enjoyed yeah. what I played. It's pretty scary. Well, it was scary then. Probably not so much now. Yeah. But yeah, I can't. Yeah, I can't dispute um, how big a series it is, and that was probably the most. I think of all the games I have played in that series, that's the one that reminded me most of actual, the actual zombie movie genre. Like it had that kind of real mm-hmm. world, not real world setting, but being set in a city, very contemporary, not you know, the typical haunted house or you know, it. Yeah, I yeah I like it. I like it. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I like it too. Um, the first game did a good job of making it feel like a realistic setting, being set in that mansion. Um, I think the second game sort of. Uh, raised that Mm. up by setting it in a city it felt like an american city um which was cool it's kind of it has that i know it's a bit cliche to say it but it has that aliens to alien kind of feel where it's more action-packed and it feels bigger and uh more bombastic and uh yeah it was great in fact the difference if if, if you compare resident evil 1 and 2 the difference is like night and day it looks so much better it sounds so much better and it plays so much better um it's really cool and it was scary at the time so full disclosure i didn't actually play this game at the time because i was too scared i i I, i've got a great love of horror games now but that's a relatively recent development uh i watched friends play this game andrew and i in fact spent quite a lot of time playing playing this game uh and it's yeah it's fantastic it's 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 great um i think uh, one of the things that i really enjoyed about it was how many like uh secrets and stuff there were in this game not pre-internet but early internet days uh where you couldn't immediately go to GameFAQ and find out everything you wanted about it so a lot of it was very mysterious and misunderstood and like there were rumors that you could play as a giant piece of tofu oh, yeah, and it was like and it was like no you can't and then somebody has a save file where they've unlocked tofu and you're like <laughs> oh shit you can you can totally play as a giant piece of tofu <laughs> but yeah it's a fantastic game it's uh yeah it's difficult to deny uh, that that game is should be held in very high regard. I think my fondest, weirdest memory of the game is when they did eventually port it to the uh, N64. I remember oh, seeing yeah. the opening that... cinematic for that game and it looked like it had been filmed on a postage stamp. It was like it took up so little of the screen. It just <laughs> compressed the hell like out of it. Every, every second line yeah. of resolution just wasn't there. It was just like a black line across it. That, as I understand it, that was a like kind of an incredible technical feat at the time because it actually didn't really sacrifice no, that biggest much. cartridge wasn't it with that 256 meg yeah, yeah yeah and it had all the voice acting yeah. in it as well it's kind of crazy really but, to think about that but, no that's probably the most i really th- have fondness for in terms of resident evil 2 is the n64 version which i never actually played but having the console at the time and i was obviously quite impressed quite excited again i never bought it but i was excited for what they managed to pull off hmm. so uh, amazing that it was on the N64 for more reasons than just technical ones. Mm. It like Nintendo at the time 
wanting to port like the goriest, scariest game ever made was kind of surprising, I remember at the time as well. Because that was back when video games were being discussed in the Houses of Parliament and people were hand-wringing about violence and our children being exposed. And then Nintendo was like, yeah, sure, bring Resident Evil over to our our kiddie console. It's fine. Uh, Yeah, it was cool. It was good. Nah. Nah, Cool. No, I can't dispute that choice, Andrew. I can't. Thanks. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty good one. Um, <laughs> there's some good chat there about Resident Evil 2. Um, we'll see if that's enough to save my terrible pitch and uh, <laughs> get me some votes. Um, so I thought that we'd do the next three. Um, we'll do Rich, then Steve, then Rich, because obviously Rich mm-hmm. has two pitches, uh, being the winner from last time. Okay. Um, so Rich, um, which game do you want to go with first? I'm going to go for... Poke, well, specifically Pokemon Blue. I know it's Pokemon the same Blue. as Red, but I had Blue, so I can't speak for Red. Okay. Um, and just remind everybody what platform that was on, just in case they don't know. That would have been on Game Boy slash Game Boy Color. Yeah, Game Boy Color. So I played it on the OG Game Boy, so it was all green for me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm, I'm going to... I'll do the timer for this one, unless you really want to keep timer Ooh. duty, Steve. No, no, you go for okay. it. Okay. Um, and you don't have anything in your way this time, Rich, so that'll be, uh, be, that'll nice. be novel for you. No, just myself. Right, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay, and you can start now. So, yeah, I mean, I remember Pokemon coming out. Um, I only really had a Game Boy for a short while, and that was the first real big epic adventure I had. I think I was only about 15 at the time when it came out. I was already too old for Pokemon, but I loved how big the world was. Um I had Tamagotchis at the time still, so the idea of having like pets, you know, training animals, fighting animals, it, it played very much into that sign of, um, what's the word? It appealed to me in the same way Tamagotchis did. I mean, it was the beginning of the Pokemon craze, so everyone was talking about it. Um, oh my God, I'm terrible at pitches, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I never really played RPGs. That was the first one I played, and I was addicted to it. Would play it constantly. I'd be walking around the supermarket with my mum, hands on the Game Boy the whole time. Just wouldn't put it down, days on end. Um, remember my mate coming over, and we used to connect up to the link cable. We used to trade Pokemon. That was the first time I'd ever done anything like that. Do believe that was the That's first it. time. That's your minute. That's a crap pitch. Nah, it was a good pitch. <laughs> I always like I always like how you have put a personal element. When uh, that's discuss. how yeah. I always am. It was a good pitch. Never, never it was good factual, pitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we might be able to add some of the facts in here. Um, I'm not sure how much I can add actually. So thinking about it, because um, Rich reminded me that of how old I was when Pokemon came out, and it was the mm-hmm. kind of slightly too old yeah. for Pokemon. It's like Power Rangers. I think my my yep. brother's four years younger than me, so he was op- optimum Pokemon Power Rangers age. So I I kind of took both of those things in by osmosis. So I think I had I had a little bit of um, Pokemon in the house, but I don't think I actually played it at the time. Yeah. And I'm not sure, I've not played a Pokemon game in full ever. Um, in fact, Pokemon Sword slash Shield, whichever one I choose, will be the first really? proper Pokemon game that I play. Um, so, but I do remember it being this huge deal, like absolutely huge deal um, at the time. Um, Steve, did you did you play it? Um, I did, although my introduction to Pokemon was the cartoon. Mm. Um which I absolutely loved. Yeah. I was also too old uh, for Pokemon, but I was never one to let that get in the way uh, of me enjoying things. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I, I loved that cartoon. I didn't have, I didn't have uh, 
uh, satellite television at the time, so my friend who did had to record them on VHS cassettes exactly and then give me the VHS exactly cassettes. Exactly the same as me. Exactly the same. Really? Yeah. Fantastic. And getting a fresh VHS cassette from my friend was uh, like every, I don't know, every few weeks. It was, uh, yeah, it was amazing. Um, and then I did go on to play the game. I never liked the games as much as I liked the cartoon. The game, to me, because I did it in that order, it was always like a novelty. Like, oh, look, here are slightly different versions of the Pokemon that I've seen on the cartoon. But there's something about the structure of that game. It's surprisingly it's surprisingly linear mm. and rigid. And I, from Pokemon, I always want more of an open world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's just not what Pokemon is. Like pe- people love that game and they love it for what it is. But I'm always, I'm always like, oh, imagine if this was open world and more free form, like you know, like a, like Breath of the Wild was. Mm-hmm. Like imagine you could go anywhere and hunt Pokemon anywhere yeah. and fight gyms <clears throat> in any order or whatever. But I, they are great games, though. Undoubt, undoubt, undoubtedly, you know, mm-hmm. they're renowned around the world. Um, but I was never a super fan of the game, sadly. No. Yeah, I do. I do remember the cartoon as well um, because my brother watched it. But I did. I. I was. I said I was too too old for them at that point. I did kind of sneakily enjoy it. Just didn't say anything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I did. No, I, I like the cartoon. But yeah, I don't think we actually had. I think we had an original Game Boy. But I think by that point in time, it probably got like put in a drawer somewhere, and we ne- we hadn't bought a game for it in a long yeah. time, and we never got a, a Game Boy Color or anything like that. So I just don't think. Um, we just didn't buy the game because it just wasn't available in if, if that makes sense yeah. so, you know, it, because we didn't have the the, the right mm. kit for it um and i'd moved on to playstation by that point and basically resident evil was life um so <laughs> yeah, po- pokemon seems quite infantile in comparison i think i i think i borrowed a game boy to play that game because i never had a game boy either mm. so yeah yeah but it was I, I mean i can completely see how it's become the phen- phenomenon it is um, because there's that addictive element, there's that, you know, got to catch them all kind of element to it that people go crazy for, especially when we were kids, because yeah. the, the whole collecting thing, not just Pokemon, I mean, there was bloody pogs and having to collect all the pogs and like football stickers if you're into that kind of thing. And just, it was all about collecting. And so they were really onto something clever there by bringing that into the video game world, I think. Mm, absolutely the marketing uh for pokemon was second to none it was gotta catch them all but we're referring to the adventure in the cartoon wink wink definitely <laughs> not all the merchandise that is available uh yeah it was a it was a yeah it was a craze it was everywhere mm. it was crazy yeah and it's surprising that it's still everywhere um they've done so well with it that it's c- continues to be this big thing and i mean pokemon go helped with that because they've uh, unlike a lot of franchises they've managed to move with the times to a degree yeah so that's quite it's quite good it's quite good and it's uh, it, were those the first was red and blue the they were they the first games in the franchise yeah. is that right mm-hmm. i mean it was sort of like yeah. two years earlier they came out in japan so we waited for quite a while that's right crazy yeah, yeah. i mean that's what it was like back then <laughs> especially just for like our you know a essentially primitive handheld i mean i guess they're obviously localizing you know, the the text but mm. two years for a game like that it seems i'm you know unthinkable did we did we have the cartoon here before we had the game uh, is that is that what happened did it pick up speed as a phenomenon because of the cartoon and then they said we should localize the game now i can't remember for sure yeah i'm not sure which mm. order that happened in but that might that might explain it yeah but uh yeah I think- but i uh, 
so, sorry, go I on. think the cartoon might have been first, but I'm not 100% sure. Mm. Over here, at yeah. least, yeah. yeah. I think it may have been. Um, it should be said as well, the portability of that game was one of its main strengths. Uh, and, mm. and I think the... It's great. You know we're living in the future when they've now taken that concept of portable Pokemon and turned it into a uh, an AR game where you physically walk around the real world yeah. and yeah. catch Pokemon with with your phone. It's kind of yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'd obviously played. I had plenty of consoles and played plenty of games by the point that Pokemon came out. But I found that was my first real like addiction to a game. Really had its claws in me. Yeah, I've obviously been mm. plenty of experiences since, but then it was like when I wasn't playing it, I was thinking about when I was going to next play, <laughs> and that, I've never, I never had that till that point, and it was quite an awesome feeling, but quite concerning at the same time. So, yeah, yeah, it's a rare, it's a rare treat when a game has that effect, yeah. effect on you, but it, 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 it definitely has its drawbacks sometimes. <laughs> Well, there we go. Um, Pokemon Red slash Blue um, as Rich's first choice. We'll come back to Rich in a few moments uh, but next we've got steve's choice um and uh, people who listen to the 1998 main podcast might know what steve's choice is going to be because he was very adamant that we did this game justice in the podcast which i'm not sure we did um but maybe he can get <laughs> do it justice now um steve, in one minute <laughs> in one minute um steve what is your choice uh my choice is half-life for the personal computer Wow, fancy. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, okay, are you ready to go? I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go, I think, yeah. Okay, your minute starts now. Okay, so first-person shooters up to 1998 were shooting galleries where you ran around a sort of vaguely coherently themed environment and shot things, usually monsters or demons or something. But one of Half-Life's core design philosophies was to marry that gameplay with uh, an engaging narrative, and it did an amazing job at that, and something really amazing happened at the time as well, because it was one of the first games that showed us what storytelling in video games could be outside of having cutscenes. So Half-Life presents its story uh, in front of the player, and it never takes control away from the player. So throughout the whole game, you're witnessing this incident in this research facility, and you get a real sort of uh, eyewitness account feel to it. Um, and the story just keeps getting crazier and crazier, and you can speak to scientists and security guards along the way, and you can either rescue them or sacrifice them, uh, and the gameplay evolves as the story evolves. It starts off with fighting aliens, but then as the story progresses, you're fighting the uh, military force that has come in to cleanse the facility. So That's it's got like a cons- oh, Okay. <laughs> you're really getting into it there. Yeah. Well, it's an incredible game. There we go. Um, Rich... You don't seem to know what the PC is, so I'm wondering if you've ever played this. (laughs) No, I did play on the PC, yeah. No, my uh, my mate lent it to me many years ago. I did play... Didn't play it through to the end, but I played a good chunk of it. Um, Mm. Yeah, I have fond memories of Half-Life. I mean, I've gone on record as saying that whole opening segment when you're coming to... You know, when Gordon's coming into, well, the office, shall we say, um, Mm. before the incident actually occurs. That's the first time I'd ever had a game do that like actually play out like an intro to a film you just kind of yeah. in the passenger seat basically well, you're controlling it but yeah just seeing just that day-to-day build slow burn it was quite scary i mean when you're actually in the room when the experiment goes wrong and you're just running mm. around scrambling you know there's no way you can go you just have to be there while everyone around mm. you's getting killed and there's just like 
trying to remember now how it played out. It was like a portal. It's like electricity and there's monsters coming through. And that yeah. was really, really tense. You're just trying to find yeah. somewhere to run and you couldn't. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, was, I just I always remember just using the crowbar. That was my favorite memory of Half Life. <laughs> to crowbar everything. So that's yeah, that's the iconic weapon. Absolutely, I think you get the handgun fairly early on as well. But the crowbar is yeah. just like that's that's the go-to for everything. But that that opening as well. I mean, is iconic. Uh, an iconic opening coming coming in on the train. And then going through, you go, I think you go through security, and then mm. you go to like the the cafe, and you can have a wander around basically. Um, but it's, I think one thing that it, it's done is that it's gone on to inspire a lot of other games, not necessarily even first person shooters, mm. but that whole opening and the being being present for the story rather than it just being a passive thing. Yeah. Um, like Bioshock is a huge example of that, and that's that's really obviously inspired by Half Life's opening. You know, when you go, you kind of go down those steps into the uh, submarine at the beginning of Bioshock. Uh, that whole thing is... I, I think if it wasn't for Half-Life, we wouldn't have those kind of experiences or, or it would have come much later. Um, but yeah, I think it was it was a game that inspired quite a lot. I think Valve is one of those companies that has been at the forefront of kind of pushing game narrative and Half-Life was the first thing they did that with. And yeah, um, I mean, gameplay-wise, although I think... Steve said, you know, before that, shooters were kind of, you know, shooting galleries, things like Doom, um, those kind of games. And Half-Life had a proper story to it. And there was yeah, there was a certain level of skill to it as well. Yeah, definitely. But even so, compared to today's games, I think it was still fairly simplistic. I mean, we are talking 20 years ago now, but it's still a fairly yeah. simplistic, simplistic shooting game, I would say. Yeah, I mean, it didn't, yeah, it didn't have that whole like run and gun feel of the time, you know, with the early FPSs. It felt like mm. it would actually fluctuate in pace there'll be a lot of moments you're kind of creeping like just surviving and then just being onslaught and that's the kind of fps i enjoy more i mean i love the yeah. recent remake of doom but at the same time it reminded me how much i don't necessarily prefer the classic play style of old fps's where it's just go 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 the whole time i like that nuance i like the change of pace you know yeah and half-life was probably one of the first fps's i played that did that probably back to back that and goldeneye where it felt yeah the pace felt like it was actually a bit more dynamic i guess is the word but mm. and it, it goes to show that um telling a story from first person view is possibly the best way to tell a story because it engages you as a player hugely um I'm, I'm trying to think there's there's a few recent games that that do the whole first person thing to tell the story I, again the, the pizza has completely scrambled my brain apparently but yeah i think that's to me half-life uh, i've never been a huge like shooter fan like i, I don't mind them they, they're okay but half-life stood out to me because of the story and the way it told the story yeah. um and i think that's what it's given to the world is is that being present for the little moments and having that first person view being basically put into that character um and i think that's what it's given to the gaming world since then i think so many games have gone on to uh emulate it in some way shape or form um so it is a very good very good pick for game of the year i think i'm still surprised i haven't gone back to it i mean everyone jokes about mm. oh, half-life 3 when's it coming out but it's like <laughs> i'm surprised they've not gone back to it as an ip i mean it is a shame i know valve have got their hands busy now with steam but i just think yeah come on valve are a, valve are a, a service 
business now. Yeah. Like, mm. they're just, it's weird. Though. That's just that's that's just the way it is. It is a shame. Um, they made a lot of money selling fake hats, and they were like, "Wait a minute, <laughs> we should just do this." <laughs> Things they've got like that. Well, they've got like what maybe four or five stupidly popular franchises. Indeed. And if they were to announce a game, a new game for any one of those franchises, people would go absolutely nuts, and they would sell millions upon millions of copies i mean you've got a, a new half-life a new left for dead a new portal um a new team fortress any of those would just people would go absolutely crackers for so they're i think they're a bit crazy for completely ignoring i mean they haven't completely ignored their games but they've kind of definitely taken a huge backseat. and definitely yeah. yeah yeah so um there we go that's half-life um and next up we have rich's second pitch um are you ready with your second pitch there rich yes i am indeed awesome i'm gonna get my time ready uh can you tell us what your second pitch is and what console it's for uh this is for 1080 degrees snowboarding on the nintendo 64 awesome it wouldn't be a uh, a rich pitch if the n64 didn't feature somewhere to be that they win 64 games i don't know why <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, um, your time, Rich, starts now. Okay, well, 1080s still is the best snowboarding game ever made. It was a very un-Nintendo game at the time. Instead, it chose to depict realistic characters instead of like cartoon characters. It had a real cool factor at a time when uh, Sony were making gaming trendy. It had in-game branding like Tommy Hilfiger and Lamar Snowboards. So it's quite a cool game for Nintendo. Um, it featured some of the best music on the N64. Who can forget Work Your Body, Work Your Body, <laughs> and Call Me, Call Me, Don't Leave Me, Baby. And of course, there's the incomprehensible classic Vacant Lives from the game's title screen. Uh, the way the game depicted snow was second to none, with the handling of boards changing from fresh, fluffy, undisturbed snow to packed icy snow. Uh, the feeling the game created was unmatched by the other game in the genre at the time. Um, Kensuke Komachi is still the coolest looking video game character to date. Um, kind of was quite a role model of mine when I was growing up. <laughs> he rocked a great Tommy Hilfiger jacket and beanie hat. So what can I say? He was a cool dude. Uh, That's your minute. Ah. <laughs> there you go. Um, another good pitch from Rich. I, I need to stop saying pitch and Rich in the same sentence. It's just <laughs> get a bit too much. Just lean, um, just lean right into it and just go, that was another good Rich pitch. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Yeah, I'm going to get a jingle made for that as well. Rich pitch, and we'll get a whole jingle done. Um, Steve, have you played 1080? Uh, I have, actually. Weirdly, I played this about three weeks ago. Um, yeah. My friend, inspired by our last podcast, brought his N64 around, uh, which was to play Goldeneye, but he also brought around 1080 snowboarding because he was a fan of it as well. Uh, so, yes, yeah. I have played this game. And what are your thoughts um, on said I game? didn't like it very much, but... <laughs> but... Well, the public will. Well. I, I, I will say it's not it's not fair because I'm playing it in 2019, right? And I, and I totally appreciate that I need to put it in the context of 1998. But I... Yeah, so I've got an unfair view of the game. Uh, I will say that the animations, when you're sort of turning left and right through the snow and everything, they look really cool for 1998. Like, the body's got a real... Uh, like fluidity to it and the snowboard looks like it interacts with the ground quite impressively um but i think just about everything else about the game really grated on me and uh, 
I didn't have a good time at all. That menu music, work your body, work your body, oh, work dear. your body, work your body. It just does that over and over and over and <laughs> over again. It's a banger. Come on. The, <laughs> the whole game, the whole game has that real late '90s snowboarding tone to it, which at the time was probably super cool. But right now, I was like, oh, it was just, I don't know. Uh, so yes, I have played it. I don't want to poop on the game too much though because obviously i'm playing it 20 years after the fact um mm. but my friend also really liked it so they must have been onto something with it yeah i mean to be fair i'm gonna say to be fair yeah you are playing it 20 years later but also to be fair some of the games that we've mentioned already if you played them now there would still be something there i think like half-life i think if you played it now you'd still find it to be a very good game mm. so yeah what i'm, what I'm basically saying is if it plays shit 20 years later, it's a shit game. Well, um, <laughs> I think well, there's I... something definitely to be said for the N64 in general with uh, sounds so good now, but I mean, N64, I think it's one of the formats that suffers the most playing nowadays because mm. it's, whether it's the controller or just frame rate, just, the, you know, and things like the anti-aliasing visually just looks, everything just looks muddy and messy yeah. and they went down. It's... They went in a direction with that console, which in some ways was very impressive but it definitely sacrificed things like frame rate and mm. visual fidelity on, on mm. things. Like games like yeah. 1080, like it's got a really good draw distance and there's a lot going on on the screen. Uh, it's just that they've sacrificed other bits like yeah. it looking in any way interesting. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. There was me, there was me. I was going to choose F-Zero because I thought that's probably the least visually interesting game, but it performed like a beaut. It did. Yeah. It did. I, do you know, I played that as well. Um, and yeah, <sighs> 60 FPS, solid. I was impressed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's fantastic. Uh, Sounds like you made a bit of an error there and you should have chosen F-Zero. I think you should at least put over Pokemon and be in a better pitch. <laughs> <laughs> More um, coherent. In terms of snowboarding games, I don't know. I, I If you go back and look at old snowboarding games like Cool Borders and mm, other snowboarding like games that I can't think of, I don't think any of them have aged particularly well. There's no. something, I don't no. know if there's something about like rendering snow <laughs> that just hasn't mm. aged well. No. I mean, that's just obviously my opinion of 1080, mm. 1080. But I mean, did you ever play snowboarders, uh, Cool Borders or anything like that? Um, never did. No, I mean, actually, I might have played some of the demos. They, they just they played janky for me. I mean, mm. the only other snowboarding game I really enjoyed up to that point was Snowboard Kids, which is like probably the most expensive game on the N64 nowadays. For some reason, that game is sort of really? it's so expensive. Like, I've seen like 80 90 quid. Wow, it's snow ridiculous. snowboard kids. Yeah, it's just a proper huh. typical big headed cartoon snowboarding oh, right. game on the N64, and it is yeah, it's a very high rated game as well. Like, people love mm-hmm. it. But I was more 1080. It was cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I, the, the only snowboarding games that I've ever really enjoyed were the SSX games, mm. Um, mm. especially the most recent one. And I still don't know why they haven't made another one since. But there's there's just something there about the something they got right about mm. the um, just it being fun. Yeah. That was the first and foremost thing. Is it was just a fun game, and anything else was was second to it. Um, but yeah, I could play the most recent SSS, uh, SSX game. I could play that for hours and hours. I just really enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's not that it's not that I don't like snowboarding games. I just never played 1080 to be honest. Um, I, I keep seeing it on the Wii U because uh, it's on the Wii Virtual Console. Mm. The 1080. Stay away from and... Avalanche. It's crap. Huh? Stay away from 1080 Avalanche. It's crap. 
Oh, is that the one that's on? Yeah, it's a sequel they did. Yeah, it is one, yeah. Uh, that was GameCube, I think. I think. Oh, okay, because they've got the N64 version. Yeah. Oh, they've yeah. got 1080 yeah. and the N64, yeah. yeah. So I'm tempted to get that at some point just to see what... Because it must play yeah. better than the N64 version. Like, you know... It'd be better control. On updated hardware. <laughs> yeah. So, um, do we have anything else to say about this game? Ooh, <laughs> um... um... Uh, I don't know. I feel like I was a bit har- harsh on it, but uh, yeah, not really. It's I mean, just you want. It's it's. <laughs> yeah, I, I part of it were impressive. Like I'm sure if I saw it in '98, I'd have I'd have been very impressed. Mm. But now I was like, I'm done playing this game after about ten minutes. <laughs> work your body, work your body, work your body. Oh God! <laughs> One interesting bit of trivia about the game now for a long time, and I believed it as well that. It was thought that Shigeru Miyamoto actually did help produce this game. Turns out it was never the case. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was they only pitched the idea because it was Shigeru Miyamoto. Well, skiing specifically was Shigeru Miyamoto's favorite pastime, so yeah. that's what led to the development oh, right. of the game. But somehow, over time, people thought that he actually worked on it, but that was not the case. Huh. Interesting. So that's all four pitches. Um, we have uh, Resident Evil Two. Uh, we've got Pokemon Red and Blue. Uh, we have Half Life, and we also have 1080 snowboarding. It's 1080 snowboarding, is that? I'm yeah, not degree, missing something. Degree. 1080 degree snowboarding. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, so there will be the uh, poll up on Twitter once this has gone out. It'll be up for seven days. Um, so go to at Dreamcast Years and vote for your favourite game there, and we'll reveal the winner in the next episode. Um, just uh, before we kind of go, I know we did this last time. Rich, obviously, you had two games to pitch. Um, Steve, what would do, did you have like a second game oh. that you would have pitched? Oh no, I'm so unprepared. No. Um, <laughs> well, so I mean, shall I mention this? I don't know. I was initially going to pitch Metal Gear Solid, but then we <laughs> discovered that that didn't come out in the EU until February two thousand uh, February ninety nine. Uh, so yeah. That was the only other game I had considered. Oh. So so no, mm-hmm. I didn't do any. I didn't do any research. But ne- next time though. I will make the most of my one minute to uh, wax lyrical (laughs) about that game. Okay, so we know one of next. Oh yeah, sorry, uh, spoiler, (laughs) spoiler alert. Um, I think I would have chosen the only other game for '98 that I possibly would have chosen would have been Tomb Raider Three, which is possibly not the best Tomb Raider game, but I do have fond memories of it. Um, The whole Area 51 thing, and it was it was the only. The only Tomb Raider game, because I got way into like figures and stuff at that point, and I think I got, I don't know if you remember, see if I had like a Lara Croft figure and she was dressing like the blue camo. I do, from... I do remember that, yeah. Yeah, um, with the Uzis and everything. So yeah, that was, a, that was a really cool game. Was Tomb Raider 3 the one where you could, you had the revolver with the laser dot sight and you could go into first person with it? Or was that, or was that? I think that was Last Revelation. Was, yeah, you're right, that was Last. Jeez. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So all good games. I think, I think 3 was, Three was possibly the weakest, to be honest. But it did, for nineteen ninety eight, didn't they game. make a change between two and three where they started rendering? Because Tomb Raider two was rendered. Uh, I I don't know the word for it, so I'm going to sound like a fool now. But Tomb Raider three was rendered with triangular pol- pol- uh, pol- polygons for the first time, I mm. think. And Tomb Raider okay. two wasn't. So Tomb Raider um. three was like a considerable visual upgrade to two. I remember it looked amazing mm. at the time. They introduced quite a lot in that game, didn't they? Because they had they introduced crawling as well. Yeah, I that, think. that's so I remember right. Being yeah, able to yeah. crawl. Um, so, but then you know, you played it for a few hours, and you were like, "This was kind of radio car. It just looks amazing." <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> it was it was one of those games where it was the first few hours were like wow yeah, this is really cool and yeah. then as it went it was like oh okay it's like i think was it that wasn't the one that you went to paris was it that was chronicles no no that was that was much later that was the ps2 one wasn't it was it there was i'm sure oh no it was london was was it london three possibly there was one where you're on the rooftops and i can't remember if that was three or if that, it was is that when you're on the rooftop of st paul's possibly yeah was that three maybe that was three. maybe pretty sure it's three um tell us twitter was it three um <laughs> I, like I missed so there much seriously i mean i dropped off after the first what two games maybe and then i came back for the reboot right <laughs> skip the whole lot you, you missed you missed absolutely nothing <laughs> they were the, the the dark timeline for lara i think so andrew andrew's gonna nothing. defend uh angel of darkness now well, I was going to start by defending um, The Last Revelation because I think that's a really good game. It's a difficult game and it's an unforgiving game, the main thing but I, it's a good game. The main thing I remember about that, that game was you getting yourself into a situation where you had absolutely no ammo and like 10 <laughs> skeletons to fight and and you got a jeep stuck in a ravine so you could make zero progress. <laughs> Yeah. I think I remember that as well. To be honest, I had a bit of a knack for getting myself stuck in positions with no ammo in most games that I played. <laughs> I think I remember doing that in Resident Evil at some point. Um, but yeah, I remember that. But no, Angel of Darkness, it, it's, it's a, it's it's a, a good bad, game. It's a bad game. It's 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 a bad game that could have been a really good game and it, and it has all the makings of it and I still enjoy it. it it's just, it, it's one of those what could have been games Um and I wish it could have been better. Uh, like another it's, year would have helped. Angel of Darkness is a textbook example of biting off more than you can chew. They had incredible ideas and then they totally fluffed on the execution. Like it's yeah. it's appalling. That game's really bad. Yeah. When you turn the camera left and right, her shadow moves left and right. <laughs> it's really bad. The game's full of stuff like that. Uh, and I, I remember that they picked up in the beginning, there was like these whole thing where you could find things to increase your strength and stamina. And in about like an hour or two into the game, they completely ditched the whole thing. So it didn't matter anymore. Um, and it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so you've introduced like a whole cool. like, way of playing and then ditched it. Uh, okay. This was around I, the time I, that I they changed hands, wasn't it? Like, wasn't it? Cause it did it fall into the hands of, um, was it IDOS at that point? Or was it IDOS originally? Uh, it was I, I just originally core designs uh, was the original developer and I think because Dynamics. of the uh, Crystal Dynamics is yeah. the, the guys who have it now so I think it was oh. because of it was, Angel yeah. of Darkness that they Idos basically just went fuck you core designs uh, let's give yeah. it to somebody else yeah. and um, Crystal Dynamics took over from there. Yeah. Um, do core, core designs don't exist anymore? Do they? They're completely gone. No, I don't think so. I think I think they were only Tomb Raider Studio, weren't they? They didn't I think anything. so. Oh, yeah. no, they, I think they did like one or two of the games, but I don't think they were wildly successful. Mm. Um, but that's probably for another podcast, um, to be honest. We've kind of skipped ahead a few years. I would like to ask Rich about F-Zero. Okay, go mm. for it. Because yes. I, play, I played that too, and uh, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on it. I'd love it. Yeah, it says. We talked about it earlier. I mean, it's the fastest racing game I played at the time. Um I love what Nintendo did. They just basically sacrificed everything for raw performance. Um N64 had never performed that well until I played that game. Um, just the incredible speed, love the cheesy music, cheesy voiceovers. <laughs> um, I had a, I was on a diet of Wipeout at the time, and that for me, F Zero just blew it away. Oh yeah, like it didn't have it didn't have the cool nightclub branding. It didn't feel you know, didn't yeah, didn't feel trendy like Wipeout. But in terms of its pure gameplay, it just yeah it destroyed Wipeout for me. 
I I liked the so the tracks turn into like cylinders and you race yeah, around the outside of a cylinder <laughs> and you can easily fall off the cylinder like it's it's yeah. really like edge of your seat type stuff yeah it's yeah the death race mode was good as well when you had like 30 ships on track and you're basically having to ram a travel off the yeah, side yeah and it totally it totally maintains that frame rate as well 30 yeah. other races and it just keeps going it's uh yeah it's it's crazy I mean, I mentioned it, I think, on our last show, the idea, I think they should bring it back in a new game, kind of give it a better, bit of a battle royal element. You know, 99 ships, last one to survive. <laughs> mm-hmm. are they, I'd, I'd be there day one for that. Are they making a new one? <laughs> nah. Oh, cause Not F- that we know of. F-Zero <laughs> kind of sits in that... So there's like a contingent, right, of like Western gamers who fall in love with Japanese franchises that didn't do that well in Japan. Hmm. And mm. so people in the West are just sit here, sitting here waiting for sequels that Japan has no interest in making. It's 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 a bit mm. like that with uh, Met, with Metroid as well, I think. Yeah, like mm. it's way bigger here than it is in Japan, and I think F Zero is kind of like that as well, isn't it? Because l- people love F Zero, but we just haven't seen a mm. new one in I don't know how long. It's been a long time. Like, it should be easier now. Last one. I mean, because the way, like, especially even, like, with Nintendo now, the amount of like IPs, franchises that get farmed out now, it's not just the old days of mm. Nintendo makes it for a global audience. It's like, no, if an IP doesn't necessarily appeal to one market, it's another company, another developer, might be a Western developer, will get the rights. I mean, what, Sega mm. made the last one. Oh, really? Like, oh, right. Yeah, the GX, yeah, they did. They developed it, which is just craziness. How long ago? Uh, how long ago was that? That was the GameCube, wasn't it? Ah, so, uh, okay. Yeah. It's about 12, yeah. 12 years ago. Wow. Yeah, that, Maybe a bit longer. That was mad. Okay. Mm. Huh. Well, would you would you another one? It, it, it seems yeah. weird that they put um, Captain Falcon in Smash, but then no. don't make a new F-Zero. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay, we should get a petition going. I'm sure somebody has already at some point or somewhere, but yeah, get another one going. But, yeah. Um, the only other game I was going to mention very briefly was, and I think I mentioned it in one of the other podcasts, um, Deep Fear for the Saturn, which I've never played. Um, but in the process of looking through 1998, it's one of the games that kind of stood out because I think it was the last game that came out for the Saturn in Europe. Um, and it's basically Resident Evil on uh, at sea. Um, <laughs> and um, it got a lot of the same criticisms of Re- as Resident Evil, like terrible voice acting and, um, you know, but it looks very similar in, in style. And I thought, oh, that might be interesting. If I ever got a Saturn, maybe I could get that. And then I checked eBay and the cheapest copy I could find was £200. Wow. Um, so that is a game that I will never play. <laughs> um, I've never heard of that game. What's it called? N- Deep Fear. Deep Fear. Mm. I remember seeing yeah. it in magazines. I faintest memories never played it but i do i do mm. remember it. i'm looking at screenshots now and i remember it, it reminds me a little bit of carrier for the dreamcast ah, in terms of setting and the fact that it's resident evilish I, that that's the game i was when he described it i was like wait didn't that come out on the dreamcast and that's the game that i was thinking of yeah because that's a very similar that's premise carrier. isn't it similar i think um yeah it's it, basically resident evil at sea yeah, yeah. is the premise for those but yeah um I, I think deep deep fear had a lot a lot of different stuff going for it but yeah, and and unless it's um, emulated, which apparently is really difficult to emulate the Saturn, so that's unlikely to happen. Um, I probably won't be playing it. Um, but there you go. Um, another another Saturn game I'd like to play from this year as well would be Panzer Dragoon Saga. But again, that's like three four hundred pounds. So wow. Yeah. So if you invested in the Saturn back in the day, you are loaded now. <laughs> yes. um, anyway, um, that kind of brings us up to. The time that we have for today um 
So I'll just end by asking Steve, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me at Steve Jack on Twitter. And Rich? You can find me at Dreamcast Barber on Twitter. I'm also um, on Switch Island as well. So give that a listen. Absolutely. I would concur with that. Uh, you can <laughs> find me at Oddman84 and also at the Switch Island. Um, so do you give those podcasts a listen where you can hear all about sausage rolls and how many hot dogs we can fit in our mouths. Um, so <laughs> uh, we'll leave that uh, at that this time. Um, the next episode will be uh, the Dreamcast Years podcast 1999, where Steve will be joining us as the guest for the main podcast uh, to discuss Metal Gear Solid for the entire the entire hour mm. and a half. Um, <laughs> 99, nothing happened that year. I can't think of any consoles that came out. No, nothing at all. One. So, <laughs> skip it. <laughs> skip it, yeah. Um, can I ask, so, can I well, ask sorry, oh. when did Shenmue come out? Was that 2000s? Yes. Okay, I'm just I'm just waiting for that to come up on this one is all. Yeah. I'm just uh, anticipating that conversation. Uh, yeah, um, I'm going to pretend you didn't say that. <laughs> 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 we'll leave it there um, so thanks very much for listening and until next time Bye.